Good morning. Glad y'all are here. We are continuing the series we started just last week called Why Worry? And, uh, and we are talking about something that I think is a universal issue. Because uh, the thing about it is, is that all of us struggle with worry at some point or another. Now, the, some rarely seem to struggle with it, but even, even those that, that, that rarely struggle, there's, every once in a while it just kind of grabs a hold of you. But then there's others where worry is like your hobby or your part-time job because you, you do it all the time. And the good thing for you to know today is, is that this is a, a, a problem that a lot of us have, and it's an ongoing problem that's been happening for a long time because Jesus, the, the words we're going to study today and look at are our continuation of what we talked about last week, and, and Jesus was teaching this over 2,000 years ago. And so it's not like worry just developed in the 1980s or, or in the year 2000 or something like that. Worry has been going on. It's been a part of who we are as human beings for, for pretty much since, since the Garden of Eden. And so, so we're going to talk today about, about worry and, and what it means. And, and we talked a little bit last week, and I'm going to review some of the things we talked about. But, you know, one of the things we, we discuss is that worry really is just it's trying to control tomorrow, today, is what it, it's doing is we're thinking about things that have not yet happened, thinking about things that might possibly happen, and we're trying to control them today by we think if I think about this enough, if I put enough effort into worrying about this, then somehow it's going to affect what happens tomorrow. But all we manage to do is we manage to make that problem bigger. And I want to confess something to you as your pastor, and uh, some of you might not come back to church after this, after you hear this, but, uh, but I love and, and, uh, and really... Uh, involved in, in reading and watching Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter movies. I love the Harry Potter books. Uh, my, my oldest daughter, Emily, started reading them, and then I thought, well, she's reading them all the time. I better read them to see if she's going to turn in like a witch or a werewolf or something. And so I started reading them, and I found out they were awesome. And uh, now I will say this. I don't love them as much as, as Ben Patad, our worship pastor, was just up here. He, like, reads Harry Potter every night before bed. I'm not lying. So even I can make fun of him a little bit, but I love Harry Potter, and, uh, and there, there's this, in the Harry Potter books and the Harry Potter movies, there's this charm, this spell that they do to make things bigger, it's called an engorgement charm, and those of you uh, who've seen it, you remember Mad-Eye Moody used it in the Goblet of Fire book and mo- movie to make a, a bug bigger, but it wasn't really Mad-Eye Moody, it was really Barty Crouch Jr., spoiler alert, and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so here's the deal. So there's this charm to make things bigger, and that for us is like what worry is. Worry is like an engorgement charm. What it is is it's this thing that we do, and it takes this issue that was an important issue, that was something that mattered, but all of a sudden it makes it like it's the only thing that matters. And it becomes our focus, and it becomes so big, and it almost can overwhelm us. And so that, that's what worry does. And so today, I want us to talk about the solution that Jesus has for worry. And this is, this is really cool because there are tons, we talked about this last week, there are tons of books and tons of articles on the internet about what to do if you worry, but none of those offer solutions. All of those books and, and articles on the internet, they are basically telling you how to manage your worry. But Jesus offers a solution. And so we're going to talk today about the solution Jesus gives us 
for worry. But before we do that, I want to review just some things we talked about last week. So if you were here, you can be reminded. If you weren't here, you can try to get caught up. And by the way, if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go listen to last week's message on the podcast. You can find that on our website. You can also find that on iTunes, and, uh, and you can, you can uh, listen to what you missed last week. But here, here's some things that we learned last week about worry. The first thing is this. You can't add anything to your life by worrying. You can't add anything to your life by worrying. And so it doesn't matter how much you, you, time you spend on worrying about something that's going to happen tomorrow. It really doesn't affect it. Uh, and, and, and there's never been any one of you that said, I worried that situation into existence, or I worried that situation into being good. I was going to, to uh, had a, had, you know, I was, I was going to um, spend some time wor- having a kid, and, and I just worried about that kid so much that they turned out the way I wanted them to turn out. And so, so you can't add anything to your life by worrying. The, the, the second thing that I want you to know is, if you don't worry, it doesn't mean that you don't care. If you don't worry, it doesn't mean that you don't care. Because I think sometimes we think, hey, I just need to, I just, the reason I'm worrying about that so much is because I really care about it. And if I don't worry about it, it means that I don't care and I'm just kind of hands off and that kind of stuff. And that's not the case at all. If you don't worry, it doesn't mean that you don't care. Uh, in, in fact, uh, a lot of times it means that you're focusing on the right things, which is what we're going to talk about today. And then the, the last or another thing that we learned last week is that Jesus said that we need to do all that we can do. So you need to do all that you can do. Um, and so these situations that you're worried about, that you're spending time worrying about, um, that, those things are, are important. Those things matter. And it doesn't mean that, that you, even though it's important, doesn't mean that you should worry about it, but you should do what you can do about the situation and then leave the results to God and let him handle the rest of it. Because here's the thing, we can't control the future, but if you have a relationship with God, you have a relationship with someone who does control the future. And so, so we, we need to do what we can do and then leave the results to him. And then, and then the last thing that, that we learned last week that's really important is this. The things that you're most devoted to are the things that you worry about the most. The things that you're most devoted to are the things that you worry about the most. And so we, we talked last week about uh, if you really want to know what you're most devoted to, a good place to start that conversation is to say, all right, what do I spend time worrying about? What is it that I'm spending time worrying about? And, and that will kind of answer your question. Those are the things that I'm most devoted to. Um, there, we, we, we started last week with a few verses, and I'm going to go back with some verses last week as we, as we catch up to where we are this week. And so if you've got a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. You can find that on your phone if you've got a phone Bible or iPad or, or a regular Bible with pages. If you don't, I hope the, the passage is going to be on the screen. Matthew 6, 27, it says this. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And we talked about this last week, and that's just what we talked about the first, the first point a while ago. You can't add anything to your life by worrying. So by worrying, you're not going to make your life longer. You're not going to add any value to your life by worrying. But now we did talk about that sometimes we feel like worrying can take time off of our lives, doesn't it? We can worry so much that we actually decrease an hour off of our life, but we can't increase an hour onto our life. And then verse 28, he says this, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then, let me stop right here. Jesus just says something here that I think that probably the people listening that day, some of them walked away offended. And, and what we're going to talk about right now, you might find a little bit offensive. But I want you to know that we're all in this together. Because he says this, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? See, one of the things that we don't think about, that we don't discuss, is the size of our worries and the size of our faith are related to each other. In fact, what Jesus is saying here is, the reason your worries are so big is because your faith is so little. The reason your worries are so big is because your faith is so little. And I know there's some of you sitting in here today that you worry all the time. And when I say that, you immediately want to say, Cliff, how dare you say that I have small faith just because I worry a lot. It just means I care a lot. And I would say to you, chill out. I didn't say it. Jesus did. Take it up with him. He's the one who said, you're worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're gonna, uh, where you're going to live, all this kind of stuff. And he, then he says, you worry about that stuff, oh, you of little faith. And remember, we don't worry that much today about what we're going to eat, where we're going to live, what we're going to wear, because we live in the United States of America, and most of us have a great place to live. Most of us have more clothes in our closet than we can ever wear. Most of us have a pantry or a refrigerator full of food. But we do worry about things like, where is my next job going to come from? And I'm worried about my marriage. And how are my kids going to turn out? And am I going to pass this test or not? And am I going to have a future? And we worry about all these things. And Jesus says to us, listen, if that's you're so consumed with that worry, it means that your faith is not big enough. Your faith is small. If your worries are big, it's because your faith is little. But see, what we do is we justify our worry based on our circumstances. This is what we do. Instead of us saying, you know what, I'm worried a lot, so it must mean my faith is not big enough, my faith is not strong enough. Instead, we say, my faith is really strong, my faith is big. The reason I'm worried a lot is because I'm in a terrible situation here. These are, this is bad stuff. And those situations are bad. Things like cancer. Things like losing a job, things like bankruptcy, things like a marriage falling apart, things like a, your children running off and doing the stuff they want to do, which is not the way you raise them. All that kind of stuff, those are big things. I'm not saying those aren't big things. But what happens is we get so worried about those things and we say it's not, but it has nothing to do with the size of my faith, the reason I'm worrying so much. It's just because these situations are terrible. If I didn't have cancer, I wouldn't worry so much. So it's not my faith, it's this situation that's so bad. But what Jesus is telling us is that, listen, the circumstances shouldn't matter when it comes to what our worry is. In fact, the circumstances should cause us to trust more and our faith to increase more. Those, some of you in here have known people, and I've known people, where you look at their lives and you see the stuff they've gone through or are going through, and, and you just look at them and, and it just doesn't seem that they're worried about it. And you know what that is an indication of? It's not an indication those people don't care. It's not an indication that they've just taken enough volume that they've checked out. What it's an indication of, it's an indication that they've got a strong faith. 
They've got a big faith that they're facing cancer. They're facing bankruptcy. They're facing unemployment. They're facing all of these things, and still somehow they're able to carry on. They're able to still care about the situation, but they don't worry about the situation. And what you're witnessing there is someone with a very strong faith. And I've got friends like that, people who've been through things like that, and I look at them sometimes and I think, man, if that was me, I'd take up drinking or something. It, it, would just, it would just tear me to pieces. I don't know how they get out of bed, but there they are. And what it is is that their faith is big. Their faith is strong, and so their worries are smaller. See, the bigger your faith, the smaller your worry. The bigger your faith, the smaller your worry. And so when we start thinking about, man, I'm worried all the time. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. We want to focus on the circumstances. Jesus is saying there, don't focus on the circumstances. Focus on your faith. See, if we can can start off by admitting and saying, you know what? Okay, Jesus, I admit my faith is small. My worry problem doesn't have anything to do with my circumstances. It has to do with my faith. And, And God, I'll just admit to you my faith is small. Please help me with this. Please help me with the fact that my faith is so very small. And then Jesus can lead us to the solution. And he begins to do that in verse 31, Matthew 6, 31. Then he says this. So after he says, oh, you have little faith, then he says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? And we just talked about those things aren't really a, an issue for us, but they were then, but we've got our other issues. And, he, and, he, and also notice there that Jesus doesn't say those things aren't important. So Jesus thinks your marriage is important. He thinks your job is important. He thinks your kids are important. Then verse 32, he says this. For the Gentiles, now let me stop right there. Is there anybody in here who is looking at your Bible, uh, got it on a phone, or, and, and you're not looking at the version we're using? This is the English Standard Version. Anyone using the what the, we call the NIV, the New International Version? Is anybody looking at that? All right, uh, Hoss. What does your version say instead of for the Gentiles? What's it say? Holler it out. For the pagans. Now, how many of you used the word pagan last week? Did you walk into the place you work and the guy that you work with, who he's not a believer in Jesus, and he's just living the way he wants to, and you just say, what up, pagan? How you doing today? I'm a Christian, you're a pagan. We don't use that term, do we? But the word pagan is a word that means someone who doesn't believe. We're not saying they're an, a, a person that you shouldn't associate with, but we're just saying they don't believe. And that's what the Gentiles were. Jesus is saying there, for the Gentiles, so what he was talking to a group of people who were Jews. They were believers in the one true God. And, and they were, and many of them had become believers in him. And so he's saying to them, there's this whole other group of people, the Gentiles, they don't believe in God. They don't have a relationship with God. And so he says to them, listen, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. So we talked earlier about the fact that, that what we worry about indicates what we're devoted to. And what he was saying there is he said, listen, the, the people who aren't believers, the Gentiles, the pagans, they seek after certain things. And he said, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. And he said, that's their main focus. Their main focus are these things that you're worried about. 
They're running after these things. That's the way they're living their life. They're not living their life based on, on what God says to do. They're not living their life based on, on um, morals and, and those kinds of things. They're living their life based on these things they're running after. And he says, the Gentiles seek after all these things. And so what he's telling them is, listen, if you are worrying like them, you are living as a non-believer, practically living as a non-believer. There's a book that Craig Groeschel, who's a pastor out in Oklahoma, he wrote a few years ago, and a lot of our life groups went through it, called The Practical Atheist. I don't know if you remember that book. And he talked about how that a lot of us who are believers, we live day to day like we don't believe based on how we spend our money and how we treat people and how we, we operate in our relationships and that kind of stuff. Jesus is saying the same thing here. He's saying, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, for the pagans seek after all these things. So if you're doing the same thing, you are living as a Gentile, as a pagan, as a non-believer, as an atheist. That when we worry, when we get so caught up in worry, we're living as someone who doesn't even believe. And, and here's where this is so important. When he says this, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, here's where this is so important. See, whether you're a believer or not a believer, there's, there's a core group of things that a lot of us tend to worry about. And, and right now, if I want to divide up the room and say, okay, everyone who's worried about money right now, go to that back right corner. There would be some of you that would go there. Everyone who's worried about your kids and the way they're living and the choices they're making, you come down here and there'd be some of you go here. Everyone who's worried about your marriage, you know, some of you would go here and there'd be some of you like your wife would go there and you're like, oh, I guess I better go over there too because... I should be worried about my marriage. And, and so you'd go over there, and everyone who's worried about their job, and, and some of you would go over there, and then there'd be some of you that'd be like, can I go to all four? Is there some way I can split myself and go to all four places because I'm worried about all of it? And so there's these core things that most of us worry about. And the same is true with the people that you know, the people you work with, you go to school with, and you live near who don't believe in Jesus. They're worried about some of those same exact things. And this is where it's so important. When we start talking about, for the Gentiles seek after these things, if we're living just like them, then what witness does that display for them? See, what should happen is that when we're going through the same set of circumstances that a non-believer is going through, they should be able to look at us and see our reaction and be amazed at our reaction. They should be able to look at us and say, I'm falling apart, I'm completely worried, but I'm looking at you and you seem to be fine. How is that? Tell me why that is. That as believers, we should be living that way so that our reactions are different. The Bible talks about that. It, it calls it a peace, that we should be able to have a peace in the midst of everything else being chaotic and, and, and going down the tubes. And it says that that peace is a peace that goes beyond understanding. So to put that in terms where I can understand it, it's a peace that don't make no sense. It just doesn't make any sense that you look at someone and, and everything seems to be falling apart and somehow in the midst of that, they're at peace. Even though they can't control it, there still is a peace there. And if we're living like that as believers, man, what a witness that is. What a way to shine a light. You know, Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5 in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, which we've, we've covered before here where he talks about uh, that let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And we always think about good deeds as being good deeds like feeding people and, and being nice to folks and taking in folks and all those kinds of things, and those are good deeds. But I think there's other ways that we let our light shine too, and one of the ways is how we react 
to difficulty, how we react to tragedy. When people can see that in us, it shines a very bright light about who Jesus is. See, our response should be so different than the response of non-believers that they're amazed when we go through those things. And we need this more than ever. There's more worry in our country now than I think has ever been. It seems like that, that we, that our media, that, that we specialize in creating worry. If you watch Fox News or CNN or MSNBC every night, you are going to start worrying about, uh, I was about to say, um, my wife's not here. You're going to start worrying about crap that you, that you never, don't tell Sherry I said that, that you never, you're going to start worrying about that stuff that, that never crossed your mind before. Because all of a sudden it's there and now you're so focused on that and you're so worried. And I'm not saying that you should be ignorant about what's going on. But what I'm saying is, is that if we're just so involved in our culture and we're not involved in mu as much in Scripture and what the Word says and what you're hearing at church, but you're more putting more Fox News into your brain than Bible into your brain, you're putting more CNN into your brain than your Bible into your brain, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be worried about a bunch of stuff because our culture wants you to be worried. And so if that's the culture we live in, how much more should we as believers be walking out the door every day confident in who God is and displaying that confidence to the people we're around so that they can know there is a hope. There's something beyond worry. So Jesus finishes that verse, and I love this where he says right here, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. See, that's what separates us from the Gentiles, from the pagans, from the non-believers. Because we believe that God knows what we need. We, we believe that God knows what we need. Not only does He know what we need, but He's going to do something about it. And we can live in that confidence. When, uh, when we first started this church... Um, I, I went to work for Mark Wilson, who's a friend of mine, and, uh, and Mark and Lisa were the very, very first couple that said they wanted to be a part of this church. And, uh, and Mark, uh, at that time, he was uh, an electrician, wiring houses and, and that kind of thing. And so he said, hey, you can come work for me, which was pretty awesome because I knew nothing about wiring anything. And, uh, but he, he allowed me to come work for him, and he trained me how to do some stuff. And so when we would be out working on a job, and this is even after I'd been working for him for a year or so, I always felt more confident when I was doing something, especially if it was something that I, I hadn't done a whole lot of. I always felt more confident if Mark was there on the job because I knew if I, was, if I got into something that I didn't understand or something happened, all I had to do was climb down off of my ladder and go find Mark and say, hey, can you come in here because I'm stupid, I don't know what I'm doing. And He was always very, very patient and a great teacher, and he would come in there and show me what to do and that kind of thing. So I was always more confident when he was there. Why? Because I knew that he knew what to do, and I knew that he would come help me if I needed help. And see, that's when we're living this life we're living. We need to understand that, that God is, is, is right there, and, and he knows everything about what we're doing. He knows what the right answer is. He knows what the next step is. That thing that's confusing you, that thing that you're looking at and saying, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. I don't know how this is going to work out. God knows the answer to that. 
And not only does he know the answer, but that if we just call out to him and ask him, he wants to help us figure that answer out. Now, sometimes his answer might be at this time, it might be, hey, just wait right where you are, and I'm going to take care of it, but I'm not going to tell you right now, but just wait where you are, and I promise you I got it. And so we've got to move from this, from this area of believing and, and, and just believing and then to move to an area where we believe but we also trust. So he says there in, in verse 32, he says, The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And we would say, yes, I believe that. I believe that God knows that. But believing God knows that and then trusting that he's going to do something about that are two totally different things. And We need to get to a point where we can say, I don't see how it's going to work right now, but, but I believe, and so I'm also going to trust. See, what happens when we worry is this. We, we're in today, okay, today is Sunday, and we're worrying about what's going to happen on Monday, which we can't control. And, and we, we're thinking about what's going to happen on Monday, and it seems so big that we forget the good thing that God did for us on Saturday. He's already done these things for us before. He's already taken care of some of the same things that we worry about today. But while we're in today, we forget about yesterday and focus on tomorrow. And, and all of a sudden, we're just so worried on that. And we don't remember, oh, God has done this before. He's taken care of me before. So if he took care of me on Saturday and I'm living in Sunday, then I can be guaranteed that he's going to also take care of me on Monday. But we get focused so much on that thing that's going to happen or that we think is going to happen that we forget that. So, so Jesus has taught all this stuff, and so now he gets to the solution. This is what, he, what do we do about worry? What are we supposed to, supposed to do? And he gets to verse 633, and he says this, Matthew 633. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, Jesus is saying, listen, you've been chasing the wrong things. All this time, you've been chasing the wrong things. These things you've been, these things you've been focused on, the, these things that, that have, have been on your mind, you, you've been chasing the wrong things. And he says, these things have led you to worry, and so what are we supposed to do? You're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to shift our devotion. Shift your devotion. We talked about the things that you most worry about or the things that you're most devoted to. And so Jesus says, if those are the things you're most worried about, that's what you're most devoted to, it's time for you to shift your devotion. You shift your devotion off of, off of having a healthy marriage, even though that's a good thing, and you shift your devotion on seeking the kingdom of God. You shift your devotion off of trying to control what's going to happen to your kids, even though you want your kids to have a great life, and that's important, and you shift that onto seeking after the kingdom of God. See, those things are all important. Marriage, retirement, kids, jobs, all that stuff is important. But as long as that is your primary focus and your primary devotion, you're going to worry. But if we can take our primary devotion, our primary focus, and devote our entire lives to what it is that Jesus wants to do, that's what he's doing here to the folks he's talking to, and he's, and he's saying the same thing to you today. He's giving you an invitation. He's saying, listen, you want to stop worrying? Let me tell you how to do it. Devote your entire life to me. Devote your entire life to what the plan I've got going on is. If you can devote your entire life to that, you will see that your worry is going to get smaller 
and smaller and smaller. What he's asking us to do is to, to put our agenda, which we all have an agenda, whether we want to admit it or not, we've got a thing that we want to see happen. We put our agenda off to the side and we make his agenda first. We trust that his agenda is much more detailed, much more um, uh, smart, is much more moral, it's, it's much uh, uh, greater and much grander than ours could ever be, and we put his agenda first and we put our agenda off to the side and we live based on his agenda. How many of you grew up in a church where you memorized the Lord's Prayer? Did anybody memorize the Lord's Prayer growing up? Most, most everybody here did. And you learned that in the King James Lord's Prayer, which, was, which sounds awesome when you say that. And you remember in the, in the King James Lord's, Lord's Prayer, you go through there, and then all of a sudden you get to a point where it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Anybody remember that? Remember saying that? And we just let that roll off our lips and we didn't really think about what it meant. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that we live our entire lives saying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not mine, not my will, not my kingdom. I'm not building a kingdom for myself. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right here where I live. Right here in Greer, Taylor's, Blue Ridge, Landrum, Spartanburg, Greenville, wherever it is you live. Your kingdom come here in my life, in my school in my neighborhood, in my place of business. That's where I want your kingdom to come. I want to be a part of what you want to do in that place instead of what I've always tried to make happen. And you can say to him, God, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what you're going to do, but I want your plan and not my plan. And see, what happens is when we begin to transfer our devotion off of the things we've worried about so long, and we begin to transfer our devotion onto the agenda and the kingdom of God, we begin to experience that peace that we talked about earlier. We begin to experience that peace that goes beyond understanding, the peace that doesn't make sense. Now, there might be some of you right now, and maybe you're not a believer yet, or maybe you are a believer, but you're hearing all this and you're thinking, Cliff, if I really do that, if I really just focus everything on him and I totally give up my agenda and that means I focus my finances and my marriage and my job and my kids and everything on him what if he actually takes it maybe that's what you're saying what if he really takes it Cliff what happens then and I would just say to you you don't think he can take it now he can take it whenever he wants to but what we want is is we don't want him pulling it from our closed fist we want to offer our open hand and let him take it then and when he takes it from our open hand, we get this peace inside because all of a sudden, we know, I don't understand what's going to happen tomorrow. I can't control it, but I understand that the God who's in control of tomorrow, he loves me and he wants what's best for me, and I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do what he's asked me to do. And then I love what he says in the, in the rest of verse 33. So he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he says, and all these things will be added to you. What things is he talking about? He's talking about those things you've worried about. Those things you've been worrying about, those things you've been seeking after and all that stuff. He says, if you seek first my kingdom, these other things will come. If you seek first my kingdom, guess what's going to happen? Your marriage is going to improve. If you seek first my kingdom, guess what's going to happen? You're going to know how to deal better with your kids. I can't tell you they're going to do what they're supposed to do because sometimes kids are stupid. 
but you're going to know how to deal with them better. If you said, seek first my kingdom, that doesn't mean that your job is going to be perfect, but you know what's going to happen? You're going to know how to handle it. You're going to have a better attitude. That boss still might be a jerk, but you're still going to go, you're going to be able to go in now and you're going to be able to, to work under him or her in a better way than you ever were before. Because these things have been added to you. Why? Not because you deserve them, not because you've figured out some kind of formula, but because you're seeking the kingdom of God and he's going to bless you by adding those other things on as well. Why is that? Because he loves you. He loves you more than birds. He loves you more than flowers and grass. And if he takes care of that stuff, he's certainly going to take care of us. And then he finishes in verse 34 by saying this. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I think there's another version that says tomorrow has enough worry of its own. See, when you begin to veer towards worry, and we all do, Friday, I'm riding in the car with, with Sherry, and we're heading over to Greenville and just talking about different things and talking about a certain situation. And she looked at me and said, is something wrong with you? You seem really quiet. And I made up some lousy excuse like, well, I'm just tired. Or, you know, I, don't, I don't even remember what I said. And, of course, she's very perceptive of me and said, no, what's going on? And I just said, I'm so worried right now about this. And I told her the situation. Now, I'd already prepared this message. I'm getting ready to teach it Sunday. I should know better. But I was so worried that it just had me all tied up in knots that my wife knew something was wrong with me. And that happens to us. That even when we're walking the way we're supposed to walk, sometimes it just grabs a hold of us. And so when we start to veer towards that worry, we need, to, we need to say out loud and say, God, I've done all that I can do about this situation. Your will be done. I've done all that I can do, and so your will be done with this, whatever it might be. And so as we began to talk, and I started to feel a little better, and then I got in bed Friday night and lay in there waiting to go to sleep. I just started to say about that situation, and I just said, God, your will be done in blank. Your will be done in blank. And I said it five or six times until I fell asleep so that hopefully that my soul and my spirit would be aligned where it should be. And there was, it's so easy, though, for me, and I know it's so easy for you, my mind was going all kinds of places. I, was th I wasn't just thinking about what was going to happen tomorrow with this situation. I was thinking years down the road. I don't know how many of you in here, or if any of you in here have, have been through uh, AA or NA, any of those uh, programs, but uh, there's a saying that they have in those that, um, that it's uh, one day at a time. Now, you've probably heard that. And there's also a great old song that my daddy liked, One Day at a Time. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's a good song. I don't know who did that, but one day at a time. You know why that's such a good thing for someone who's struggling with alcoholism or drug abuse to remember? It's because it's 
the only way that we can really focus on being who we're supposed to be because we can't get tore up about tomorrow. And let me tell you who made that up. Not Bill W. who created uh, AA. Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 24. He's saying, tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Don't be anxious about that. Just focus on today. One day at a time. It really works. And see, what Jesus has done is he's given us permission. He said, I want to give you permission not to obsess over what's going to happen tomorrow. Because some of you need to be given that permission. Because even there's some of you, even as I'm speaking, you're thinking, yes, but Cliff, you don't understand my situation. But Cliff, you don't know what I've got going on tomorrow. But Cliff, you don't understand how important it is that I think about tomorrow all day long today. But Cliff, but Cliff, but Cliff, and you've got all these excuses. And I want to tell you that Jesus is saying to you today, you have permission not to obsess about tomorrow. You have permission instead to focus on Him, what He wants for you. Focus on His kingdom. And let him handle tomorrow. Remember, do what you can do. And let him handle the rest. We're going to finish up. And this is what I want to encourage you to do. If you're taking notes today, if you're not taking notes, grab something and write this down. Because this is, I, th- I think there's an exercise that we can do this week that will help us with this. Um, what I'd like for you to do, if you, if you have time. You'll have time. Let me just say that different. What I'd like for you to do if you're willing to make time to do it, because we all got the same, you know we all have the same amount of time this week? I don't know if y'all knew that or not. Everybody in here has the exact same amount of time. Time is the equal thing among us all. We've all we don't all have the same amount of money, but we all got the same amount of time. So this week, make some time to do this. I want you to write down, just get a piece of paper. I want you to write down the things in your life that you tend to worry about. Some of you, you can do it on a post-it note. Some of you, you're going to need three legal pads. But write down the things that you tend to worry about. Just write them down. And then I want you to go line by line. Let's say the first one is your finances. And then I just want you to go line by line and say this for each one. Is not life more than finances? Is not my life more than my finances? And then the second thing you say is, God, your will be done in my finances. Your will be done in my finances or whatever it is you're worrying about. Line by line through every single one. We're going to close up here. And um, I just, I really want you to understand that when, uh, when I'm up here today talking about Jesus says that your your worries are so big because your faith is so small and all that. I'm not fussing at you because I like I just shared with you. I'm right there with you. And there's some things that I I keep coming back to and they just grab a hold of me. And it's a it's a thing that we struggle with every day. And I want us as a group as a church just to be able to be victorious over this thing and to get to where God wants us to be. And so this morning, uh, we're going to have a time of invitation, and um, I would encourage you, um, you can do it right there from your seat, but sometimes there just seems to be something special if you just come down, and even if it's just in our own mind, but you come down and kneel down, and you just bring whatever it is that's got you tore up, and just kneel down and say, God, your will be done in this.
I've certainly tried to do it myself, and I've made a mess of it. Your will be done in this. And there's some of you that, that you, when, when Jesus says, for the Gentiles run after these things, the pagans run after these things, the atheists run after these things, maybe you don't consider yourself a pagan or an atheist or a Gentile, but the thing is, is you don't believe. You, you don't have a relationship with God. And so all this stuff that I've talked about, about how you can trust that God's going to take care of you because you've got a relationship with Him, you can go to Him, you don't have that relationship. And some of you need to start that today. And if that's who you are, if that's where you're living, I want you to know that you can do that right where you are. You can come down and pray and then grab me or Donnie or Ben or anyone else here up here on the stage after the service and say, listen, I am I'm, I'm ask God to begin a relationship with me today. Help me understand what that means, and we'll talk with you about it. But I'm going to pray for us now. Go ahead and stand up. We're going to sing in just a minute. And uh, as you stand and I pray, just be putting your focus on what God wants to do in your life and the way he wants the kingdom to be displayed in your life. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to say out loud that I want your will to be done in my life. I want your will to be done in the life of this church. I want your will to be done in the life of my children and 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 in my marriage. And I need to focus on that more. Help me personally to seek your kingdom and your righteousness, to live the way you've called me to live. And not to run after all these other things that that grab my attention. And I pray the same thing for everybody in this room, Father. There are people in here right now that they wasted so much time this week in worry. They didn't intend to, but it just happened. It jumped up on them. And they want to live differently this week. And so I pray that you would break chains of worry today. God, that you, would, that you would break through those things that, that we obsess over, that we make so big, and instead that you would help us to focus on who you are. That we would fill our minds with the word and not the words of the world, but instead with your word. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that, that 2,000 years ago, before there was a United States of America, before any of us were born or existed, you were teaching about worry. And thank you that the solution for worry then is the same as the solution for worry now. Help us to shift our devotion to you, to your kingdom. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.